Hello and welcome to What The Bump. My name is Jennifer. I am a labor and delivery nurse who oddly enough has no kids, yet a huge passion for informing and empowering women on all of their options surrounding their pregnancy. Join me every week as we dive in to all things prenatal, postnatal, birth, and so much more. So let's jump into today's episode. Hello and welcome back to What The Bump. I feel like it has been a minute since I've been on here and recorded a podcast and honestly it has just been crazy and it meaning life. I traveled home for my grandfather's funeral and that was about a four-day trip that I took home back to Detroit, Michigan to Toledo, Ohio and I am back now in North Carolina but we have the coronavirus spreading. So it got bad the weekend I went home, of course, and I was really nervous that my flight was gonna be canceled back. Everybody was so scared of going in the airports and traveling, but I made it back. I just washed my hands a lot and my flight home, thank goodness, was completely empty. So I sat in the back of the plane near nobody at all. Anyways, I hope that you are staying safe, staying self-quarantined, and just really trying to stay away from people as much as you can to flatten the curve of the spread of this virus. It is crazy, honestly. Every day I wake up and I feel like I'm living in a dream or a vortex or something. I literally have to remind myself how real this is, that all the stores are closed and that I'm not supposed to go anywhere. Obviously, I'm a nurse, so I do not get the luxury of staying in and you know, working from home, I still go to work, which I'm actually grateful for because I think I would go crazy without human interaction for that long. But this is just a crazy thing that we're living through. And I am going to do a podcast on coronavirus and kind of how the hospital is handling it, especially from a labor and delivery standpoint, since that is what I'm dealing with every single day right now. And just how it is affecting pregnancy and birth and what happens if you end up having coronavirus while you are pregnant or giving birth. But That is not what we're going to talk about today. Today, we are going to talk about fetal monitoring. So when you go into labor, you come into the hospital, they're obviously going to monitor your contractions and they're going to monitor your baby's heart rate. We call this EFM or electronic fetal monitoring. And it's basically where we use an ultrasound to watch the baby's heart rate and then a pressure sensor that goes on your belly as well that measures your contractions. And this shows us like a, a tracing in real time of the baby's heart rate and your contractions, and we can kind of see how the baby is responding to your contractions. So we can see any increase in the baby's heart rate, which we call accelerations. We can see any decreases in the baby's heart rate, which we call decelerations. And then we can also see how frequent and how long your contractions are in duration. We can't necessarily measure accurately with the external monitors the intensity of your contractions, just kind of when they're coming and how long they're happening. Monitoring like this may be done all the time during labor, which we call continuous fetal monitoring, or it can be set at certain time intervals, which we call intermittent fetal monitoring. And everything kind of falls into those two categories. There's different types of continuous and intermittent fetal monitoring, which we're going to get into. But most of the time, those are the two kind of broader categories that you will be in. And always, I am going to try to get most of my information from evidence-based practices. To start off with, so AWAN, which is the Association of Women's Health Obstetric and Neonatal Nurses, and that's basically the governing body that we try to make all of our nursing practices come off of. If a provider ever orders something and they don't know exactly what the protocol is, they'll just tell us, oh, go by whatever AWAN says. So that is kind of what us nurses use to guide our practice. But they recommend initial and ongoing assessment of EFM tracing. So initial and ongoing assessment of the electronic fetal monitoring. 
And if you have certain risks, you are going to be more likely to be kept continuously on those monitors than somebody who maybe does not have the risks. So like I said, we're going to talk about continuous and intermittent. So if you have high risks, you're going to be on that continuous monitoring. Things like that can include if you have frequent deceleration. So if your baby is having drops in the heart rate, we're not going to take you off of them and let you be intermittent. We're going to keep you on them because that's something that we need to monitor very closely. If you have an epidural, you'll be kept on continuous monitoring, mainly because you're going to be laying in bed anyways with an epidural. So we might as well keep you on continuous monitoring. Um, But also the epidural can sometimes cause your blood pressure to drop, which can cause a baby's heart rate to drop and things like that. So that will require you to be on continuous monitoring. If you are on titratable drugs, such as Pitocin is the main one. So that is um, oxytocin is the other name. That is what we use to induce labor. If you're on oxytocin, we're going to keep you on continuous monitoring just because that can stress out some babies that can cause some babies to do some funky things with their heart rate. So we will keep you continuous. If you are on a magnesium drip for preeclampsia, um, and then if also if you're a type one diabetic or even a diabetic in general, and you're on an insulin drip, all those things can affect the baby, can cause them to have more stress, can cause them to do some funny things with their heart rate. And then sometimes most providers will want you on continuous monitoring if you have meconium stained fluid. So that is when your water breaks and the baby has its first poop in utero. So the um, fluid that comes out when your water gets broken is a little bit green tinged. We will want to keep you on continuous monitoring then also. So we classify continuous monitoring as obviously just the, we call it the TOCO, which is the um, pressure monitor for your contractions, and then the ultrasound, which is for the baby's heart rate, being on your stomach at all times. And your nurse then is required to keep a continuous eye on the tracing and chart on it every 15 minutes. So it sounds kind of crazy. Like your nurse is really going to watch your tracing 24-7. And honestly, it's true. Like we watch your tracing 24-7, whether I'm sitting in our nursing huddle room, I'm st- there. we have monitors in there and I'm staring at my patient's strip. Whether I'm sitting at my own desktop just doing other charting, I'm staring at their strip. If I run into the break room to grab something out of my lunchbox, I, we have a monitor in the break room and I'm staring at your strip. And even when I go to the bathroom, I tell the nurse sitting next to me, hey, watch my strip. Like there is somebody continuously with their eyes on your strip because if you have a deceleration and your baby's heart rate, We have seconds to respond and we need to respond fast. So it really is continuous when we say continuous. I'm going to talk really quickly about the different types of fetal monitoring and what they all are. There's really about five main ones that you're going to see. And I'm going to start with the most invasive and go all the way to the least invasive. So starting off with the most invasive, we have internal fetal monitoring. And that uses two different things. That uses a FSE or a fetal scalp electrode. That is a little electrode that goes on the baby's head. It's actually a tiny, tiny, tiny screw. We give it a little, about a quarter turn into the baby's scalp. And it's actually not as bad as it sounds, but it can cause some bruising. And that just helps us measure the baby's heart rate better it gives us a way more accurate depiction of what the baby's heart rate is what it's doing with your contractions and we use that if the baby's heart rate seems abnormal or if we're just not sure really what their decelerations are and then the other thing that is with an internal monitoring is the IUPC which is an intrauterine pressure catheter and that one goes up into your cervix and into your uterus next to the baby and it just measures the intensity of your contraction. So it's a way more accurate way for us to see not only how long your contractions are and how frequent they're coming, just like the external ones do, but the internal IUPC actually tells us how strong your contractions are. We measure your contractions with the IUPC in, and that kind of helps us if you're on Pitocin. It helps us. Normally, we don't go above 20, but with the IUPC, it helps us to be able to go above 20 if we know that your contractions are not actually strong enough to cause cervical change. 
So the IUPC and the FSC, both of those, your water needs to be broken. We can't put a scalp on the baby's head or a catheter, a pressure catheter up next to the baby to measure your contractions if your water is not broken. That bag of water would be in the way. So the water has to be broken for that. And you have to obviously be a little bit dilated enough for us to get those in. Now we will not do those if you have any active herpes lesions, just because we don't want to obviously push that up into in utero. And we really try not to use these internal monitors. We really try not to just because it, it is invasive. It can introduce more bacteria up into the uterus and up through the vaginal canal. So we really, really, really try not to use these if we don't have to, but we will if we do. That is the first one. The second type of fetal monitoring is just the traditional fetal monitoring. And that is just what you see most women get during labor. You see it in photos or anything like that. It's just the wires with the straps around your belly. It's usually a pink and a blue strap. There's two little circular... I don't even know, like pods, I guess, that go on your belly. One of them is the ultrasound pod. One of them is the pressure pod. They are normally what is used. You will you get those ones if you have an epidural normally just because there's no sense in using the other types of monitoring. You're going to be in bed anyway. Um, now, they are a little bit restrictive. It's not necessarily ideal for a patient wanting to go natural, get in the tub, anything like that if you want to use them just because you're attached to our monitor. They have wires on them. Sometimes positional, positional changes can move around the ultrasound that's measuring the baby's heart rate so your nurse has to come in and readjust you and everything like that. So the third type of fetal monitoring is the mobile monitoring. So that is a waterproof wireless electron fetal monitor. At my hospital, we call them Monica's. Other hospitals call them Novi's. But basically what it is, is it's a pad that goes on the center of your stomach. Like I said, it's wireless and it's waterproof. So it gives you a lot more mobility and it's better for somebody going natural. They say they're water resistant. So I know at birth centers, they let you get in the tub with them, I believe. At my hospital, we try not to let you get in the tub or the shower with them just because honestly, you're, it, the Bluetooth, it, it runs all by Bluetooth. It just doesn't pick up well. Like it will go out when you go in the bathroom. It just won't pick up anymore. If you get in the shower or the tub, we just try to take them off you for a short period of time. But they are really good if you want to just walk in the room, wait in the room, lean over the bed, go hands and knees, things like that. If you just want that mobility while staying in your room and near the base of it, Monica's are amazing. They work most of the time very well. Sometimes they will be very hard to get the bluetooth and everything connected and running they can be a pain in the butt but once you get it all figured out i absolutely love them they're great now the third type and like i said we're going to get to the least invasive is intermittent fetal monitoring so this can be either done by doppler or we can just kind of connect you back to that traditional monitor with the wires every hour or two depending on what your provider wants this is done at regular time intervals, so it's not continuous. Every 30 minutes to every hour, we can um, either do a Doppler of your fetal heart rate before, during, and after a contraction, making sure that there's no decelerations noted, or we can just plug you back onto that monitor for 15 to 20 minutes, make sure your tracing looks good, and then take you back off for 30 minutes to an hour. And the thing about intermittent monitoring is that there, I've realized at least, I feel like there's no clear guidelines for it. Some providers tell you, oh, plug them back in every 30 minutes and get a 15 minute strip or plug them back in every hour and get a 15 minute to 20 minute strip. It just really depends on what your provider wants. And some of them will say, oh, go buy whatever you want says or ACOG says. And there's not a very clear guideline, but intermittent fetal monitoring is a great way to do it, especially if your patient wants to walk around during labor, then you can unplug them for a little while and put them back on. And I love doing intermittent fetal monitoring for any natural patient. And then the fifth and last fetal monitoring that we do is going to be the least invasive. And we call it intermittent auscultation 
or I know a lot of birth centers um, and home birth settings, they call it hands-on listening. So that's where your care provider listens to the fetal heart rate for short periods of time at certain intervals. And it's kind of like the intermittent monitoring. Um, They document the fetal heart rate rhythm, the heart rate, any accelerations, any decelerations, the duration of them. And then they feel your contractions by actually placing their hands on your stomach and they document the frequency, duration, and intensity of your contraction. So it's a little bit more thorough and definitely way more holistic and natural since you are doing hands-on listening and it's not continuous. You're not getting plugged back into any monitors. It's the primary method, like I said, for planned home births or birth centers that use that. And it is done for at least 60 seconds. So they will actually place their hands on your stomach for at least 60 seconds to really feel through a whole contraction and the start of the next one to know how far apart they are. They do this every 15 to 30 minutes when you're in active labor, depending on obviously your birth center and your provider. And usually to listen to the baby, they either use the Doppler, just like they do an intermittent fetal monitoring, or they can use special stethoscopes to actually listen to the baby. So this is great because you're allowed to be very mobile, no straps at all. You can get in the tub, you can stay in the tub, you can walk and you can be upright and that's a huge thing when you're in labor honestly getting an epidural and laying in bed can sometimes make your baby have more decelerations just because it's way easier for the baby to compress its own cord or for your aorta to get compressed when you're laying flat which gives the baby less oxygen so this allows you the intermittent auscultation to just stay upright to walk to wade to do all the things that you're really meant to do during labor and Honestly, this is not used much in the hospital. We do not get to do much intermittent auscultation or much intermittent monitoring just because it is a huge liability for the hospital. I mean, if the baby ends up having a bad outcome in a lawsuit, they can come to you and say, well, how do you know that the baby wasn't having big decelerations? Or how do you know that the mother was not hyperstemming, which is just basically where her contractions are pounding out way too close together and the baby never gets a break. They can say, "How how do you know that that wasn't happening? And that is very hard for us to prove because- We don't have that continuous electronic strip. And another reason why it's not done is the training. Just nurses knowing how to really listen through those contractions, how to feel through those contractions. It takes extra training and a lot of more hands-on bedside care. And sometimes people just do not want to do that. But it is still a very great monitoring way. So let's jump really quickly into evidence because I love evidence. So the evidence in all these different fetal monitoring techniques and ways and kind of the outcomes for them. So Cochrane, which does a lot of labor and delivery and birth studies, their researchers did a 12 randomized controlled trials, including more than 37,000 participants. And they noticed no difference actually into the continuous electronic fetal monitoring group and the hands-on listening group. So those were very different groups. That was the hands-on where they feel your contractions, listen to them, and then the continuous where you're constantly strapped on the monitors. There was no difference in the APGAR scores of the babies, which is what we use to get score them basically on their breathing, their tone, their heart rate, everything when they are first born at one minute and five minutes. Kind of tells us really quickly the baby's well-being. So no difference in the APGAR scores. There are cord blood gases, which measures the baby's oxygenation at birth, any brain damage or admission to the NICU or perinatal death. No differences in those groups. Now, the continuous electronic fetal monitoring group has been shown to have a 63% more likely cesarean section and 15% more likely to have a vacuum or a forceps delivery than those in the hands-on listening group. Now, what exactly contributes to that difference i'm not sure if it's necessarily the fetal monitoring or if the place that they were birthed at because obviously those both impact it 
the people who are in continuous fetal monitoring are most likely in the hospital and the people who are going to be the hands-on listening are most likely in a birth center. So of course, the C-section rate is going to be a lot higher in electronic fetal monitoring group than the birth center and the vacuum and forceps delivery will also be higher at the hospital. But still, that is a great thing to note that you are 63% more likely to have a cesarean with electronic fetal monitoring. There has also been noted to be a true relationship between continuous electronic fetal monitoring and lower stillbirth rates. So electronic fetal monitoring was introduced around the same time that many other practices were also being introduced that lowered stillbirth rates. So it has been noted in some studies, well, you know, when electronic fetal monitoring was introduced, stillbirth rates drastically decreased. This is all true. But like I said, there were so many other things in that same time period that were introduced different OB practices that reduce stillbirth rates. So I think that those all kind of come into play with that relationship. So it's unclear whether it was exactly the electronic fetal monitoring or not, but it is still a good thing to note as well. And then also, like I said earlier, the hands-on listening group, you get to be in that upright position. And research has shown that birthing in the upright position, you are 54% less likely to have abnormal heart rate problems. So no compression on the aorta, less likely for the baby to compress its own umbilical cord. Standing upright is going to be a lot better for your fetal heart rate patterns. So that is just really quickly all the different types of fetal monitoring from the internal monitors with the fetal scalp electrode and the IUPC to the traditional electronic fetal monitoring with the wire and the straps around your belly to the mobile one, which is the Monica or the Novi monitor, which is the wireless waterproof pad on your belly to the intermittent, which is where we either connect you back to the monitor at a certain time period, or we just Doppler and listen to the baby's heart rate through a contraction to the least invasive, which is the intermittent auscultation or the hands-on listening, where we listen to a contraction, place our hands on your belly for 60 seconds and note any changes in the baby's heart rhythm and the intensity and duration of your contractions. I really hope that this podcast kind of gave you a better idea of the different types of fetal monitoring that you may experience, helps you just be educated and prepare for your labor. And honestly, if you come into the hospital and you want the intermittent fetal monitoring, request it. Make sure you request it because it is something that can be done. But if you don't request it, you're probably just going to be put on continuous monitoring. So if that is something that you want and you don't want an epidural or anything like that, because like I said, epidural will put you in that high risk group to get continuous monitoring. But if you don't want one and you want to walk around and wait around and kind of do your thing through your labor, definitely request the intermittent fetal monitoring. Thank you guys for tuning into this podcast and I will see you next week where we will probably honestly talk about the coronavirus and pregnancy, labor, delivery, and birth. Have a good day. Thank you for tuning into today's episode. I really hope you enjoyed it and I will see you next week to talk more about the bump. And of course, I know you all probably know this, but I have to add it in. I make every effort to broadcast correct information through this podcast, but I'm still learning so much. So I am in no way providing medical advice through this podcast, just sharing the things that myself and others have experienced or learned. Make sure to consult your physician before taking anything from this podcast and changing your health. This applies to any guests or contributors that I also have on this podcast. Thank you. And I will see you next week.